0: Welcome to Series 3 of I Am, I Have. I'm Lucy Donoghue, and this podcast is brought to you by Happerful Magazine and Counseling Directory. Now, we all have mental health, and some of us will experience or live with mental illness, but that doesn't define who we are. Through I Am, I Have, we'll meet with some wonderful people and find out more about who they are and the passions that shape their lives, as well as their reflections on their own mental health, as they discuss their three I Ams and one I Have. Please share your thoughts after listening using the hashtag I am I have and please rate and leave us a review if you like what you hear. It helps others to find us and we read every comment you post. I'm so happy to welcome Jamie Windus to I am I have today. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: That's all right. Thank you for having me in this very professional studio.
0: (laughs) Does it feel very professional? Very professional. I am, I have, it's all about who we really are. So rather than me telling everyone about you, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and what you think people should know about you, if that's okay. Of
1: course. So I am Jamie Windust. I am a writer, speaker and model. And I mainly kind of speak and write about LGBTQ plus issues, but kind of predominantly looking at trans and non-binary people, their lived experience, their access um, in society and kind of centering all of the multi-hyphenate jobs that I do on on non-binary kind of existence, which is an interesting one.
0: We're going to go on to your first I am, which is I am allowed to feel joy in my identity. Tell us more.
1: Indeed, yes. I think um, it's something that a good friend and... um, fellow non-binary kind of performance artist, Travis Alabanza recently wrote about, and they were saying how as non-binary people, we often know that we have joy in our identity. Like that's not something that we have to um, always affirm and that we know that we are um, brilliant and valid in it, but it's kind of the violence and the the prejudice towards that um, that can make us question it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's always a good reminder to to marginalize people to know to like remind yourself of you've always known that you are happy in your identity and you shouldn't have to change that. you know that some people that might not be true but when you reach a point where you are content and happy within it, I think it's important to almost mentally remember that and know that whatever else happens out and about um, that you once had that joy and you once had that kind of memory of, I'm content here. Um so I'm going to try and remember that for this year.
0: That's good. We've got it on tape so you <laughs> yeah. can come, you can come back to it. How do you practice that? How do you continually remind yourself that you are allowed to feel joy in your identity, you know, when you are faced with alternative voices on it?
1: You know, I started this year as a freelancer kind of really just writing about identity and I still do write about identity quite a lot. But what I've made sure that I do is I can have joy within that, but also by doing um, work with co- the community or work with um, writing and speaking that is not identity-specific. Mm-hmm. So speaking about fashion, speaking about beauty, speaking about even politics in some form um, in a way that isn't just me stood on a platform having to identify myself and also ask people to to recognize that I I've learned to kind of know that there's more to me than just asking people for allyship um I think that's important and I, st- I still continue to do that but that has meant that I've had to really put in some uh emotional coping mechanisms so that I can do that and not feel completely drained from doing it because what what happened at the beginning was I would I would do that and think it's a brilliant job but then actually not realise the emotional impact that that has on you as a person.
0: Of course, because you're giving away part of yourself every time you have that conversation. Yeah. And it must be a repeated conversation as well. Mm. So, And you were talking about making sure that you're working in all these different fields and you do work in a lot of different fields. (laughs) So you were named Fashion Influencer of the Year this year by Blogosphere. That is
1: hilarious. Yes, I was. (laughs) Uh,
0: You are editor of Fruitcake magazine. You have just done a TEDx London talk. How was that for you? Because it seemed from Instagram Mm. like that was a big moment for you.
1: I think that was a massive pinnacle, I think, for for anyone as a speaker to kind of be asked. Because the thing with TED is there's a lot of misconceptions or things that people don't know. Like you don't, it's not like a job in a way. You kind of get asked to do it. And everyone there is a volunteer from the professional industry. So everyone is kind of doing it. In their spare time, and the speakers do it in their spare time. It took about three, four months to kind of um, think of a topic, working closely with the team, um, writing it, and then verbalizing that, and then memorizing that, and then almost choreography of how to kind of be on stage. So it really was like crafting an absolute skill um, in something that I already did, but I've made it. It's like the, the pinnacle. Um, it was. Terrifying. <laughs> I
0: can imagine. You, it, it always looks like the people who do it are so exposed.
1: Mm. Oh yeah, massively. Like that. I think that's partly the whole point. Like you know, that carpet that we stand on, um, and the lights. It's very much like you on your own, and that's yeah, in almost the spotlight. The yeah. Um, it was very emotional. I I did um, have a bit of a a moment on stage. But I think that kind of showed how much it meant. You know, all, a lot of the speakers, we, when we were watching them, a lot of them were emotional during their talks. And I think that shows not only the topics of what they're talking about, but the bloody hard work that was had gone into it for the past, you know, three months
0: well congratulations thank you (laughs) and we'll add it to the show notes as well so that people can 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 watch that as well so I'm going to move on to your second I am which is I am more than just what I look like tell us more
1: yeah I think um in the past three months I've really learned that um and I've always known that you know as as non-binary people I think often uh like for example with myself um when I would do fairly public facing work as a non-binary person in the makeup and the way that I present, it almost sometimes can look like that saying, there's only one way to look non-binary when actually that's really not true. Um, And I've tried to kind of challenge that within myself by not always wearing makeup or switching it up and kind of changing how I feel, um, changing what I wear to see if it impacts my identity and what I've realized is it actually fully hasn't at all. It's impacted the way that I am received from people um, in a more, I guess, positive way. I don't receive as much discrimination publicly. Um, However, it hasn't changed the way that I feel about myself. And I think that's a really nice balance to have, actually, which I've learned fairly recently
0: and I was looking again at your Instagram and you've you've talked about that you've talked about you had a period of time when you weren't using makeup and and you were talking about it was more about how other people had reacted to you Mm -hmm. which which gave you some lessons to to share with other people that the way you look is not for other people
1: yeah massively
0: yeah so do you do you want to talk a bit about that about how Mm -hmm. people reacted within that that period
1: Yeah, I always say, you know, I feel like I say this like every day, but if I were to present the way I present for other people, I wouldn't do it. Because specifically in in public spaces, the reaction is 99% negative. So if I was to present how I do in a fairly feminine slash androgynous manner, for other people's reaction, it just wouldn't work because I would drive myself into the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, That time was really interesting because people, I had a mixture of reactions. So I kind of literally went makeup free for about three weeks. Um, And what was interesting was literally within that first week, I still had kind of homophobia on the streets. Um, However, en masse, the, the reaction was very different and it was almost like I was flying under the radar. kind of just slotting in which was quite a dichotomy because I felt very happy about that because I hadn't had that for so long but I also felt I did get to a point where I felt like I wasn't being authentic okay because although I was still valid in my identity a large part of that is is tied up with expressing myself in a way that i want to and i did get to a kind of crux where i was like i feel like i'm i'm not um Mm. so now i've kind of hit a middle ground as you can see today
0: thank you for that and um i really enjoy your instagram for for what you write um Mm. and and following those conversations that you're having with everyone else but but also how you're thinking yourself and how you're evolving which we'll 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 speak about a bit more later um which does lead on to our third I am which is I am constantly learning
1: Mm. absolutely Uh, it's something that I think a lot of people in my position is almost like a social change maker or as a I hate this, but like <clears throat> as like an Insta activist, which I deplore, um, that we know everything. And this year I've definitely gone on the journey of knowing my privilege and knowing wh- where I stand within the community. And although I have marginalities about myself, there is still a, I still hold a lot of privilege in my spaces. So having to not only unlearn that but also learn how other identities within the spaces that I'm in and also other spaces um have problems and being able to support them and open the door for them and lift them up has um has been brilliant and I don't that's why it frustrates me when people don't want to learn how to help other people or they they um don't want to look at their own privilege because essentially all it's gonna do is make the people around you feel more included and you can actually use your privilege to support other people. Um there's been a lot of conversations in the media recently about privilege and how a lot of people are, are saying that they don't have privilege because of X, Y, and Z, but often privilege is people with privilege are blind to it, which is really frustrating.
0: So I'd love to talk to you about a recent experience you had where you went to speak to a company and they said they felt that your delivery had been a little intense. (laughs) And I'd love to chat about that because you posted something and you talked about cis privilege.
1: Yeah, so I think for me doing these um, corporate style talks um, fully transparently are a good way for me to earn money. But also, more importantly, they are specifically kind of aligned to workplaces. I go to spaces where I know that there is potential accessibility issues for trans and gender non-conforming people. And I basically show them a bit of my experience, show them what's happening in the press, ask them about what they want in their workspaces mm-hmm. um, and what they think they could improve on. Um, and... What I found with this one was, it wasn't hostile, but it was quite, um, people seemed quite naive in the audience. I encountered that a lot of the time. I think what happens is when you expose the truth to people that aren't aware of it, or if you kind of show people that they're doing something slightly wrong, or they're not doing anything at all, their first kind of reaction is to put their guard up and be like, that's incorrect. I had a lot of people when I spoke about it online, um, which is very interesting because it was kind of a 50-50 split of people from within my own community and people uh, who are cis basically saying, "Mm, do you not think that this is just you getting bad critique and you can't take it? Right. Um, And I think part of it, if I'm honest, was just because as freelancers we don't have that rigid structure of like a quarterly appraisal or we don't always actually get feedback and i actually made a very clear point in this instance of being like i want some feedback because i don't ever get it um so part of it was that but part of it was also the fact that you know these people were openly saying that they didn't know anything about what was happening to trans people so um when i'm stood there basically saying that cis people were complicit in a lot of the the issues that are going on of course they're going to be uh, kind of their first reaction is going to be like oh not me though um you know it's similar to when white people have conversations about race like they're like oh yeah but no i'm not i'm not racist and it's like these these systems are socially ingrained and structurally kind of tied into everything that we do so it to kind of blanket it with no, not me, mm. I think is, uh, is their issue.
0: And I I hear that one of the things that we could all do, do differently is is listen without defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it takes for people to kind of put their, almost their ego at the door and actually listen, um, mm. which is, is something that I hope over the coming years, people will get used to doing a little bit more, but um, it is so important to highlight those moments where the response has been one first of defence.
1: Yeah, because I think as well it almost, for me as a, as a speaker in those spaces, it, it makes me aware of how I need to almost, not change what I'm saying, but tailor it. Still say the same message, but almost, not appease them, but make it more um, aware that it's not an attack mm. because at the end of the day, what I don't want to do is alienate people. So then they just genuinely don't care.
0: And as you said, you're learning all the time and you're a freelancer. Mm. So you are you are quite literally carving your own path, your own career path at the moment without mm. all of those kind of um, support systems that you have in your if you work in an organisation full time and we were talking about the fact that you're going off to do media today as well and also you've worked really hard. Um you were in Scarlett Curtis's wonderful book, mm. um, It's not okay to feel be blue and other lies. Um, and you've done a lot of work with Shout, which is the text line um for mental health. Did you want to talk a bit about that? Because yeah. it seems to be something you're very passionate about.
1: Yeah, I absolutely adore Shout. When I um when I first Scarlet first asked me to be in the book, um, this was about, I'd say, May, June. Um, I, I hadn't really heard of Shout. Um, they were fairly new in the UK. They were kind of bigger in the, uh, in the States and they had launched in the UK with the support of the Royals. Um, and ever since then, I kind of really got on board with it purely because I think even the slight, um, detail of shout and that it's a text service, I think is really brilliant because often with mental health actually verbalizing it down the phone can be quite difficult. So I think a text service is, is really spot on because it makes you have to kind of look at your own thoughts and your Mm -hmm. own mind and you have to kind of really write it out. Um, and then I spoke at their conference, um, to their volunteers on LGBT mental health and kind of how they can make sure that they are looking after um, the young people because I think it came out just under a third of all texters with shout are LGBT. Right. So that's quite a lot of mm. uh, people. And as someone who used the service, I found that actually they were very, very good on that. Um, they had a lot of signposting resources. And especially for like young people, because I think predominantly the people who use the text service are 16 to 25. Um, so if you need that, it's 85258.
0: 85258.
1: Just text away.
0: It's great to see the work that you're doing with them as well. Thank you. And it's a great book. So. Oh
1: yeah, it's really brilliant. Um, I, I'm kind of blown away by the success of it to be honest
0: it's beautiful and it's the kind of thing you can keep on picking up and reading something different so no I love it so we're going to go on to what I have Jamie which is I have learned to allow myself time to celebrate myself tell us more
1: yeah I think this is quite a recent one it kind of came after the TEDx talk um I have what I call like the freelancer's curse which is imposter syndrome um (laughs) which is basically because I'm aware that I always talk about it but I think some people just don't know what it is. So um, it's basically a, a feeling of an awareness that you feel like you're not supposed to be doing what you're doing um, and that you've like ended up in the situations that you are in by fluke. Um, and after TEDx, which kind of during and after, I kind of realized that it was so surreal that I had massive imposter syndrome about it. I keep even now, like mildly, I'm like, "Was I like who? Like what? What
0: did that happen?" Yeah,
1: like who? Who said that I should be there? I was like, "Look at all these other cool people." Um, and it's things like that that I kind of now, ever since that talk, I've now kind of been like, "Actually, no. Like, you're there for a reason. Uh, like just celebrate that you've done something good." Because yeah. I find that really difficult. Um, I'm always one of those people that's always looking onto what's next. Like even after the TED talk, I was like, But what am I doing now though? Um, so next year celebration. And I would, I just do that by going on a little holidays, like little mini breaks Great. in the UK on my own. Bob off
0: It's the thing to do Just take a bit of time with yourself Mm. We um, had Lauren Marn as our um, December cover And she obviously is also a freelance Mm -hmm. And she said she was going to take some time for herself To just map out the last year Mm. And each month And what she'd achieved in each month And just look at it And take it in Because there's always that sense of urgency Of what's coming next What's coming next What's coming Mm. next And she felt like she needed a moment to just look back um, and kind of appraise what had gone on and actually take a bit of a moment. And I thought that was a really amazing thing to do before you leave one year and go into another. Because we're always thinking, Mm. you know, I'm going to get my planner. What am I going to do next year? Mm. But actually have a look back. And look at what you've achieved. And you have achieved so much this year think as well. Yeah. So I think
1: that's a, I'm going to steal that, Lauren. That's
0: a great yeah. idea. She's she's <laughs> a clever bird, she is. Um, okay, so we're at the final question now, which is, if you could meet Jamie in 10 years' time, mm-hmm. what do you hope they would say to you?
1: Christ. Um, I think in 10 years, could one, i be 32. Um... I think I would just want to be happy. I kind of just want to feel proud. I think what I would also really want to see and say is to look at the things that I myself have campaigned for this year or that the wider community are working on this year and hope to see that in 10 years that that is a distant memory and is something that we are now just living a part of and are living with. for example, like I campaigned this year for ex-passports um, that's currently been to court and the court decision is coming out in January. Um, So I hope kind of like legislation changes, but also I kind of hope that in 10 years I can say to myself, like, things have moved forward, like you got through that, that rough bit 10 years ago and now it's actually fine, um, which would be a nice little boost.
0: That sounds wonderful. <laughs> Thank you Jamie, thank Thank you you for coming on Thank you Jamie for joining us today and also for all the work you continue to do Follow Jamie on Instagram at jamie underscore windust and find out more about their work at jamiewindust.co.uk Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by counselling directory and Happiful magazine As always please rate, review and share if you like what you hear If you'd like to read even more about mental health and well-being, visit the App Store and download our new Happiful app so you can read the magazine for free on the go, as well as finding out more about therapy, well-being and other support available in your area. Finally, if you need to speak to someone immediately, The Samaritans are available 24 hours a day on 116 123 and you can also email joe at samaritans.org. Help is available. This podcast has been produced by Happiful and Fresh Air Production. We hope you'll join us again soon.